Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We love having you here, and it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we're going to show you how. Now, now, let's get started. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. These podcasts are designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host, and I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Today, we're going to be talking about obedience or compliance, whichever you choose, but it's got to be the first behavior that kids exhibit for us if we're going to trust them. You know, I left the New Jersey Turnpike one day and there was a sign there that said, you've left the New Jersey Turnpike, obey local speed laws. And I used to believe that obedience was one of the first things that we should get from a child. Now it seems like it's the last thing we get. I had to change my language and I've spoken about this before where we teachers got upset because they felt as if obedience was like dog training. Well, nothing could be further from the truth, but, you know, I kind of drank the Kool-Aid myself. And that's something that we've all been doing, and I changed my language to compliance. Why, I don't know. I guess I just wanted to be politically correct and make sure that everybody was happy and they didn't have any questions about what I was saying. But in the long run... They mean the same thing, but because of the pressure that I felt about using that word obedience, I decided to change it to compliance. Now, let me explain to you what's happened over the years. Kids go to college, and they are filled with philosophies and theories that come from professors, and maybe even the college has their own um political slant on things, if you will. And one of the things that some of you may have been taught is that when you ask a kid to do something, there has to be choices. We have to give them a choice. You can either do this or that or this or that. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. The bottom line is when you ask someone to do something, when you ask a child to do something, They have to do what they're told, when they're told to do it, with the right attitude. 
If, in fact, they don't do it, there should be consequences associated with it. Somewhere along the line, and I don't know if it was during the self-esteem movement or when it happened, but we began to believe that asking for obedience was like destroying the kid's creativity, and he didn't have a chance to think for himself. Let me explain a couple of things to you. When you get a child to obey you and do what he's told, trust starts to develop. And with that trust comes greater freedom for that child. You let them do more. And as kids get older, okay, if they do what they're told, they get the car keys more frequently. They get to stay out later at night because their parents trust that they're going to make the right decisions. Part of the problem here is that we have leveled the ground. And by leveling the ground, I mean we believe that everyone has a say in everything and no one's in charge. If you've ever read Robert Bly, he has a book. It's called The Sibling Society where everyone is like brothers and sisters and no one's in charge, and what you ended up with was sheer chaos. Someone has to be the one that lays down the law. Someone has to be the one that tells people what to do. Whether you're on a job or you're a kid, somebody's got to be in charge. If you have too many many chiefs and not enough Indians, guess what? Everyone thinks that they have a say. And, you know, people do have a say. But as they get older, they learn how to formulate their opinions okay, from, from the ideas that they developed over the years. When kids are younger, they haven't formed those opinions. They don't have, they don't have to be able to do what they want. Now, choice is something that comes in here. Choice is something that came from the Dr. Spock uh, era back in the late 40s, right through the 60s, where there was a belief that you gave kids choices with food, with clothes, with with a lot of things. You couldn't give a directive. You You asked too many questions, and therein lied the problem. I'm not going to ask you what you want. I'm going to tell you what to do. And I see this in malls all the time. Mothers and fathers running after a three-year-old kid, and the, the, the uh, mom or dad has their hands extended and saying, well, come on, we got to go, let's go, we got to get going. And what happens? The kid turns around and waves and waddles off. And mom or dad says to the kid, well, what do you want to do? Well, does it really matter what he wants to do? What matters is, is that the kid obeys and does what he's told to do. And somewhere along the line, we drank the Kool-Aid. We drank that and we began to believe it. Now you have kids in school giving teachers lip, giving them a hard time, making it impossible to teach, the whole bit. And my, my, my comment here is, okay, we have to get put back in charge. I wrote a course. It's called Everybody Knows. Everybody Knows. And one of the lines in that song when everybody knows that the boat is leaking. Everybody knows that the captain lied. Well, this boat is leaking. This is one of the leaks that we have in the boat where we're not getting obedience from kids because along the way, 
We thought it was the wrong thing to get. We drank the Kool-Aid. We believed the theory or her philosophy. And the captain, the captain that gave us that information lied to us. And he didn't lie to us because he wanted to lie. He believed it himself in terms of giving directives and making sure that people do what they're supposed to do and what they're told to do. Someone's in charge. Someone has to run the show. Don't place yourself in a position. And lots of times you have adults who have matured physically but not emotionally, and they end up engaging in arguments with kids when they ask them to do something. And it becomes almost a scene where you almost have two kids arguing with one another. You have adults who engage in power struggles with kids because the kids won't obey. These are the things that we have to begin to correct. We have to put down the glass with the Kool-Aid in it and start correcting some of these problems. Now, I have three daughters, Sarah, Grace, and Zoe. When Sarah was about seven or eight years old, she wanted to play soccer. So I took her up to the soccer field, and we signed up, and we got on a team, and First day comes when she has a game, Saturday. We go up to the field. We play. She's playing. I'm watching. She kicks at a ball and slips and falls backwards and lands on her head. And she comes over to the sidelines and she says to me, Don't make me play anymore, Dad. Please, I don't want to play. And I said, You're playing. You started it. We got to finish it, which was my philosophy which is how I always looked at things. You start it, you got to finish it. Well, all the way home in the car, I heard nothing but sniffing and crying and whining and so on. And she got out of the car when we got home. And once she got out of the car, she walked around, went into, went into the house, and I sat in the car myself. And I said to myself, I mean, why does she got to play soccer? It's no big deal. I mean, you know, and, and excuse me for saying this, but my thought was, eh, it's for boys anyway. She doesn't have to play. Now, of course, we have mixed leagues and all kinds of other stuff. But that was my thought 20 years ago, horrible as it may seem. I walk into the house, and I call upstairs to her, and I go, sir? And she comes down, and she's still sniffling. And I said, look, honey, you don't have to play soccer. No big deal. And she went, oh, daddy, thank you. And she hugged me and everything, and it was beautiful. I was a hero. Well, a few years later, Grace wants to play soccer. What happens? Same thing. Soccer ball up to the field, you know, and so on. Grace is good at soccer. Very good. She likes playing Sarah now is about 15. Sarah comes with me one day to pick Grace up from soccer practice. And we get Grace. I have a Gatorade and a snack for her and so on. And she's all red-faced from running around. And she's very happy. How'd soccer practice go? Great, Dad. Yeah, this is great. I love it. Sarah it was into clothes, exercise, and kind of like looking good at that point in her life. 
And we were driving in the car, and she looked at Grace, and she looked at me. And then she looked at Grace again, and she said to me, Hey, Dad, how come you didn't make me play soccer? And I said to her, I wanted you to play. But you refused because you fell and hit your head. And her comment to me was one that I'll never forget. Well, why didn't you make me play, Dad? You're in charge, aren't you? Now, yeah, I'm in charge. That's right. Or at least I'm, I'm supposed to be in charge. Here's the point I'll make to you. There were so many things that we didn't do when we were kids that we should have done, that we regret not doing them, and at times we blame our parents for giving in. And that's the sad part. That's the sad part. We have to be firm. We have to be firm, and, and when there's something that we want, that w we have to demand it, and we have to demand obedience. If we don't, even though we looked like the hero when we gave in, we're going to be seen as a sap when we get older because of the fact that we did give in and the kids knew we gave in. And once they figured that out when they got older, that their parents were weak, they lost respect for us. And then you start getting the line, well, dad did the best he could with what he had. See, we drink it. We drink the cool, even as parents, we drink this stuff. And we think that we're playing the good guy. When in reality, what kids want is they want to be told what to do. They want to be told you can't hang around with a certain crowd of kids. They want to be told you have to be in at a certain time at night. They want rules. They want boundaries. They are, they are absolutely trying to tell us that we need to make them more compliant. And when we fail to do that, our kids, they get parented by proxy by a group of other kids because they believe that those kids know more than their parents. And if kids become rebellious, they'll always hang around with a rebellious group of kids. The first thing we have to do as parents, as teachers, is we have to stop asking, start telling, and demand compliance. If, in fact, we do this, if we do this, it is going to be the toughest thing that we will ever do with our children because you're going to have to put up with a lot of whining. As kids get older, you may have arguments and so on, but they will be glad that you did, and you'll be glad that you did too. I will tell you that it's not so much that we demand compliance what it is, is it's how we do it. And we can't sever the relationship with our children by being so autocratic. What we have to do is we have to have an in-charge mentality where we make the decisions initially when kids are younger and they observe us making those wise decisions. This is important, not only for teachers, but for parents. You see, you see, folks, when I first started writing material, there was three things that I honestly believed that every child 
qualities that every child needed to have. They needed to be respectful, they needed to be responsible, and they needed to be obedient. I had it backwards. They needed to be obedient, then they needed to be responsible, then they needed to be respectful. You know what happens when you get kids to be obedient first? They automatically become respectful and responsible. This is critical. It's critical that we change the direction of that boat that's leaking and start to take a look at this in a new way and understand that we are the people that are in charge. We run the show. We're the ones who make the rules and if, if, in fact, some of the stuff is wrong, let me tell you something. Sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission, as long as you can go back and straighten it out later on down the road. So don't be too worried about making bad decisions because everybody's made them. You just have to be aware of the fact that you made it, and then you can correct it later on. Now, in the description of this podcast, of this episode, you're going to see a, a link to a, a course that's called Everybody Knows. And I would encourage everyone to take the course. It's on my website, thebullyproofclassroom.com. It's something that you will absolutely not be sorry that you took. And you're going to learn a lot about 10 behaviors that we have to change. This is the fifth in a five, in a ten part series, so you're gonna you're going to get five more after this, five more podcasts on different topics. But go to the website, take a look, listen to this podcast in iTunes if you can. Rate the show. Tell your friends about it. Make people aware of what we're trying to do here. We have an epidemic going on of disrespect and irresponsibility that has led to bullying, and we have to be the ones that right the ship. And don't be afraid of a confrontation. Just learn how to cooperate when you disagree and learn how to have arguments that are productive, known as productive conflict, because teenagers, even young kids, they start getting around the age of 8, 9, 10, they start arguing with you, have productive conflict, set your boundaries, demand compliance, or slash obedience. My name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. As I've said before, go to the website, check things out. I think you'll be happy that you did. You'll find things that are absolutely going to be helpful, and you're going to be able to use them over and over again, and always maintain the mindset, don't drink the Kool-Aid, make sure that kids are obedient first. That builds trust, and it leads to greater respect and irrespons- and responsibility down the road. Once again, my name is Jim Burns. This has been Anti-Bullying 101.